2: Listener, welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. A science to
1: celebrate this now! After Come on!
0: There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Man blockers? I do like to put those here to test our faith.
1: damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye. Did accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it in
2: illusions, man. None of it is true. I know it's bad. This is mass madness, you maniac. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion! The organic conversation is always the best way to go anyway.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Randy Blythe. Yeah. My God, I haven't heard the story. Go.
2: Um, yeah. So, a few weeks ago, and I've been, like, using, like, uh, all their lyrics and stuff as, like, my personal anthem for the past 10 years, 20 years. Lord knows. And uh, so, I just happened to go, you know, I've never really looked into it and seen if he uh is anti you know is against all the shit that's going on right now or not and yep first thing i saw was that he urges fans to be vaccinated and all that and i was just it just it killed a little part of me and a lot of my friends were like well i mean think about it man it's he's a successful musician he's been on the road for 10 15 years he does have a little empire he's protecting so and I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. No, I mean, you read his lyrics from 15 years ago, or even five years ago, or even currently. It's like, well, come on, you know, man.
1: Yeah, and I remember having this this Facebook spat a while back when I was still like on Facebook. I'm barely on it these <laughs> days, and it was it was sometime last year, and it was like uh, I think it was uh, the Circle Pit. I think it might have been whatever it was, but they were asking the question like, Oh, what are shows going to look like when they come back? And there was, I was reading the comments cause I was, I was pretty curious as to how, you know, what people were going to say. These are all my people. These are all yeah. metal fans. These are my people. And they, they, Basically, everybody was on board with uh, uh, like 25% capacity, 50% capacity. And I was like, do you know what that's going to do to ticket prices? I am not going to pay $150 to see a Between the Buried and Me show. Yeah, seriously. And and they were like, well, I'd pay. I'd pay $150. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And it was just, it crushed my soul a little bit. But what really crushed my soul is when I started interacting with all of the people that are in my circle, all the people I play shows with and stuff like that, and they were all on board with it. And I'm like, what happened to rebelling against the man? Isn't that why we fucking did this in the first place? Yeah. Now, granted, I might be a little bit of an outlier because the name of my band is George Orwell, the musical. So you oh, can is. <laughs> so you can guess what the subject material is about. And I guess like people didn't think that I was serious about the subject matter. And I'm, I had people asking me questions like, Oh, well, whoa, truth is, you know, slavery is freedom, huh? And I'm like, yeah yeah fucking it what, what did you think my stance on this was gonna be <laughs> what the fuck and you know just like and i got into so many spats over like such a such a you know all that time and it was just it was definitely heartbreaking because they're supposed yeah. to be my peers you know right
2: right now are I, you talking about fans around you and people that in other bands you interact with or are you talking about bandmates as well or
1: no never had any rows with my bandmates on this awesome stuff. although we all have our own views on it i definitely am the most extreme okay but you know we all love each other so there's no, you know that's Good. not gonna that's not gonna break us up i don't actually like try to impose my views on other people but Good. you know well, of I, course not yeah i, I just kind of you know expected a little bit more from so see we're not like super super popular we've always been a band's favorite band kind of thing a musician <laughs> okay. um, fair enough so we always like just try to play the most difficult shit possible so that you know Anyway, uh, yeah, no. So it was like it was other bandmates. It was it was band members from other bands that we played with, you know, just in the scene and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I just like I guess I just had a higher expectation. I've, I've heard people say the kind of the same thing about the punk scene, too, you know, that they expected more out of those rebellious people. But, you know, I guess I guess we were all let down.
2: Maybe it's always maybe it's the same old story that we always see, but this one's just a little bit more painful and a little bit more in our faces. Like, you know, you think back to all the people that are like, Refused is not punk because they sell music. And it's just like, oh my God. So I don't know. Maybe we're getting lost in the drama of it, but I don't know. This one feels different.
1: Yeah, definitely does. It I don't know, man. It just it did, it had a special kind of hurt um Mm. you know i let go of all that shit anyway i'm trying to live my own life like i can't i can't be thinking about other people and what they believe i mean that's going to come to our doorstep in a more serious way later these people if if they want to if they want to be sheep let them be sheep i don't know let Mm. them have cake right
2: yeah look back to the old you know your heroes usually live too long and they become your you know the the enemy or whatever and it's it's kind of true in a way and you know, you kind of have to let your heroes die on so, and it happened. It's happened to me like I feel in phases over time. You know, every time I turn around, a new hero kind of lets me down. So I've kind of stopped calling them heroes altogether, and just kind of guideposts in a way for certain time periods in life where you kind of resonate with certain people, and that's all it, that really matters. Is as long as you both or you resonate with something and take something away from it. It doesn't really matter what ends up, you know, how it transforms eventually necessarily, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I definitely spent, um, I spent like the last six months, especially just really focusing on being centered myself and just making sure that if, I if I am going to be, more of a leader in the space. And if people are going to listen to the things that I'm saying, like I should at least be centered and, and not be so I, cause I was getting very angry and worked up about a lot of stuff. So I, th- I thought it best to just kind of like make sure that I've got my house in order before I start criticizing anybody else for what they think and feel. Cause it's like life is entirely subjective. So you just got to let people do their thing and you can't get upset. About, I mean the problem is, is that the the way that people think, feel, and believe now actually have true political consequences. And, and, you know, I always joke about this, but I guess on a certain level, I believe it, you know, one day I'm getting taken away by a white fan and unmarked. one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I've just kind of, hope not. I've just kind of resigned myself to it. <laughs> Cause I could see that, you know, I can, I, I can see the writing on the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like you can see the censorship really, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, becoming more and more towards the, how can i say this it's it's becoming more and more in your face and it's clamping down in different areas like we're not going to have rss feeds for very long and then after they yeah. come for the rss feeds they'll come and start taking down websites you know it's it's one thing at a time alex jones was just the first domino you know and nobody took it seriously at the time like i i mean i love a, a alex jones so i don't really care um <laughs> but everybody was like good he should be taken down i'm like well, do you even know what he was taking down for? And they're like, "Well, he was talking about Sandy Hook." I was like, "Yeah, but he's not even the Sandy Hook guy. He made a yeah. comment once <laughs> or twice, and he it was may the straw have man, been, exactly. And it may have been hyperbolic, but you got to ask yourself, why is that type of censorship coming down then and there in that place and time over that? You know, right. like like I said, he ain't, he's not even the the Sandy Hook guy." And he he got taken down like that. And then, you know, Milo went down for something fairly minor. And Mm -hmm. he was scrubbed from the internet. And then you just got all this different stuff. And then once the medical misinformation stuff came out, I just had my YouTube channel removed for for cyberbullying and harassment. (laughs) No, neither of which I've ever done. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. And it was just over, it was just over like talking about elite pedophilia. Like (laughs) and it's all It's like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You're going to protect the pedos? Like, that's where you draw the line. You know? Well, yeah,
2: dude. So, like, just to cut in real quick, I think it's funny. I like to talk a lot about the inversion that they put on everything. Oh, they. But, uh, you know, there's just like this total opposite and it's like when you see it it's more of a them laughing in your face kind of about it and i feel like that happens in this too you know what i mean it's like a total mockery when you can see it for what it is it's just disgusting you know
1: (laughs) yeah i know i know and you know i mean i knew it was gonna happen i just didn't think it was gonna happen like that i only had two strikes that was my second strike you know, but it was for repeated offenses because I'm a terrible for person for, you know, believing that pedo should be locked up. I don't know. Right. Right. That, whatever it was. Um, <laughs>
2: That's what I'm saying, man. Like they're going to protect the public from pedophilia by labeling whatever they want as like bullying and all that kind of stuff. Because they made that announcement recently about literally, you know, it's like mocking us because they brought up, um basically some new policy or they're cracking down on child abuse on the internet or whatever and it was this huge blanket move and that's why we we all look at it it's like oh geez they're not going to be actually doing that they're going to be just labeling it whatever they want coming from people like
1: us Sure. And Apple is actually they just had some pushback. I don't think they're going to go through with it, but they just had like some type of agreement with the government. I think it was that they were going to start scanning everybody's phones for child abuse. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Sorry. That's what I'm talking
2: about. And um, I know that within that was included like a lot of cyber bullying and things like that. All these different red flags that could be kind of swept under one big blanket. And it's like, oh, how about that?
1: And that's the game. You take it one thing at a time. You know, there's that famous quote. It's almost like trite, bringing it up on a conspiracy theory podcast because I'm sure everyone's heard it. But you know, first they <laughs> came for the communists, and I didn't do anything because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I got what it. And then, they, and then eventually they came for me, and nobody stopped them because there was nobody left. Right. You know, who knows if that was actually a real quote, but it's a nice one. Um, you know, and, and and nobody learns their lessons from history. You know, all you got to do to see what the fuck is going on is you got to read Gulag Archipelago. That's what you got to see because everybody thinks of the gulags as you know these. Like, they think of them kind of like concentration camps because people aren't generally very knowledgeable about what went on in the Soviet Union from the twenties to the to the late eighties. Um, right, and it, it was it was stages, and there was definitely like different things going on, and then the, the, of course the way that the Soviet Union treated. Uh, subject peoples from countries that they had invaded, like the Ukraine, was vastly different than what they did to their own people. But it was very much um, like in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was very before World War II. It was very much a um, uh, it was an an imposition of a cultural uh, a, a set of cultural standards that were enforced on the local level um on the individual level person to person and it was like it was wrong think if if you thought against the party or if you thought you know if if you had thoughts like oh capitalism ain't all that bad boom you went to the you went to the camps but they were forced labor camps and they weren't necessarily like concentration camps as we like to think of them they were um they were just like camps where you were kept away from everybody else you were a poison and then the it it got to to be that like the interpretation of the law became broader and broader so that more and more people were put in the gulags and even mm. like patriotic um, war veterans after World War II, or even during World War II were thrown in the gulags and, and a lot of them and Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the man that wrote Gulag Archipelago was one of the, he was a, I want to say he was an officer and it was just because he, he had some criticisms of the way that the war was being handled and, and uh, you know, there's things like like if you thought maybe the government could be handling their uh, their uh, their their agricultural policy better, you know, because they didn't have good farming equipment, you would get thrown in the gulag, you know what I mean? And that is like basically what we're facing. We're gonna face a new version of it, but party wrong think, you know, I hmm. could have seen if they removed my YouTube channel for medical misinformation because i talk about things that are considered medical m- misinformation because they contradict the cdc and the who regularly you right know? and i could have i would i would have been less upset if that's why my my channel got taken down no, like, oh, okay no, yeah. that makes sense totally <laughs> you know but Probably for them- giving
2: yourself a pat on the back like yep
1: <laughs> yeah and just asking basic questions you know about the propaganda and all that stuff but Mm. i mean i see people not that i'm upset about it i'm really not i knew it was going to happen and there are other platforms um but i think also it was kind of because my my page was very much um on the up you know it was like on the precipice of becoming a respectable page and Mm -hmm. so you know it's easy to take me out then because perfect
2: time to take you out
1: yeah yeah not that even I'm sure it's, it's ones and zeros in an algorithm. It's probably not someone, you know, there at the keyboard going, ah, Jay Hanahan is done. (laughs) I've been watching you. Yeah, no, no, no. It's none of that, (sighs) you know? So, um, you
2: know, I think we all have our own reptilian that's watching us, you know, behind the scenes, every (laughs) single one of us, it's really terrifying.
1: (laughs) And you know what too, I would love to see that movie, right? Because those reptilians would have regular ass lives living underground. You know what I mean? And you would get to follow, uh, you know, you'd get to follow Salazar, you know, through his journey where he realizes that he's actually living underground and the people that he watches uh, actually have a better life than him because he's more free and Salazar is sitting there. And then, you know, there's that moment where, where he hits, he's a, he's hovering over delete and he's looking at my channel and he decides not to. And that's when the cops come for him. (laughs) And that's, that's, that's the point of no return. That's the hero's journey.
2: Yeah, man, I've talked about the hero's journey a few times, uh, specifically with Kyle, Conspiracy Kyle, shout out to him. Um, Yeah, Joseph Campbell's work is pretty impressive. It always struck me that the hero's journey kind of almost gave up the ghost on like, not the simulation necessarily, but something really intense going on because accidentally we've really been telling the same story over and over again. And that leads me towards like very psychedelic thinking. And I know you have some experience with psychedelics as well. We could go into that for sure, because for to me that I I got a lot of fractal stuff, a lot of fractal experiences. And I started thinking about that kind of line of thinking a lot. And uh, so it always seems like nature is like copying itself endlessly like a fractal. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. But <laughs> well, yeah, we could definitely go into some like psychedelic problems.
1: <laughs> oh, I can dig that. Um, I would say the fractal reality wasn't really revealed to me until I did DMT. That was oh. really that was something else. Uh, because I was hanging out with my friend, we were watching some music videos, actually watching Julian Lage. You know who Julian Lage is, the, the yeah. jazz artist.
2: No, but I'll have to you'll have to send me a link.
1: I will. So incredible. I actually that was the last concert I saw at the uh at uh the Sinclair in Cambridge. It was the last concert I saw before the shutdown. And I was just so incredibly thankful that I I, I got to see that because he was he was even better live than he is on his albums. Like oh, because like the tone on here. his oh my god, the tone on his guitar. I had never heard such a precise tone of of a guitar live. You could hear if he, oh, if nice. he touched the fretboard, you could hear you know his fingernail scrub up against the you know the steel of the string because it was that he pl- he plays so intentionally and so carefully um, and so perfectly that he can have that type of um, you know attention that type of gain mm. on his on his setup.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. That reminds oh, me man. of like Tosin Abasi, kind of like that perfection I,
1: oh yes yeah. so Seeing I him saw, live was cool <laughs> i saw what's his partner's name is it juan or is it jose
2: jose jose yeah, i, I can't remember his last name Cabrera, Cabrera so yeah. i can't remember
1: i saw him live that was incredible Oh God. He's got his own solo project. Yeah. Oh.
2: And it's nasty. It really oh. is. If Fans of animals as leaders, definitely check that out. And I can't remember the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, go back to you, back to what you were saying about DMT and, and this. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear your story about DMT. Absolutely. I don't really
1: care. I'm not on YouTube anymore. So what do I got to worry about? <laughs> I know. Right. Um, yeah. You know no, be so once
2: this is uploaded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm coming in through the back door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, it was, so, you know, we do the, the DMT, um, and like, so first the television, you know, Julian Lange and his band started turning into these different fractal geometric shapes and they started compounding on each other. And then it came out of the television and then it started spreading on the walls. And it was in that moment that I realized the, like the true nature of reality and that you could like, you could see, through it you know i saw all these patterns i saw the the golden ratio i saw um the fibonacci sequence all in everything around me and it just it it gave everything more of a feeling of oneness that uh the separation of individuals is really um it's a it's an illusion it's a necessary illusion to act out the the experience of the individual uh but also the it made me realize that the goal of realizing your individuality is to realize the collective nature of the universe because you know when, when you on on a if you back up if you if you keep zooming out far enough it's all just one mm-hmm. you know if you zoom out to the to the level of a galaxy you can't see anybody you're nothing you're a speck of dust but you're everything you know so it's that as above so below principle but also um I felt as if reality was much more malleable and you have more control over it because you're, you're not a God acting out, you know, an individual experience, but part of God acting out an individual experience. I like that. That was, that was really like my experience with that. You know, that's
2: really cool, man. And it reminds me very much of mine in a lot of ways because that the interconnectedness, was a huge part of it. I had a overwhelming sensation, if you will, of everyone I know all around me. And it was getting like like a like a group hug almost. Tighter and tighter and more energetic and more energetic and blasting through. And then that's when all the, you know, the the weird self mirroring thing happened kind of i don't know if like i was playing like hide and seek with my own ego almost and that was so the ego thing was interesting because it was still very much there in my dmt trip where uh traditional psychedelics like psilocybin and peyote and lsd the ego seems to completely dissolve after a while and you know you lose track of yourself completely and end up becoming one with a grain of sand or whatever at least this was from my perspective rather on the DMT thing though I was still very much me experiencing myself being a part of it all which was really interesting because it was so different than my other experiences where it's hard to remember most of them one time I actually had to trip to recall a previous trip and it was the most mind-blowing shit ever. And I think I actually brought more back from that original trip because I did that. It was pretty weird, but the DMT was so vivid. The experience was so vivid and I was able to bring it back more than I was able to bring those other longer, more. Yeah. I didn't feel completely consumed by the DMT. Like I did, to the others, but maybe it's because I did it the ghetto way and I just wrapped it all in in a ball of weed and roasted it instead of doing it with the crack pipe.
1: You have That's the to problem. do it with the crack pipe.
2: That's my it. next goal. That's my next goal. And I'm just like yeah. warming up to the idea. This is why there is no psychedelic addicts because yeah. I am warming and I've been warming up to this idea for like a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. It's pretty yeah. shattering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point too, is that, you know, there is, there's definitely a vividness to it. It's, it's so sharp, you know, or it feels like when, when you're doing acid, it kind of feels like things get duller. They get more colorful. Um, The sensations are, are uh, they, they're enhanced. They're very much enhanced. I don't know if you ever had sex on acid, but you gotta do that.
2: (laughs) I never did. I was actually terrified of, uh, my girlfriend at the time, while I was on mushrooms, I was like, it's a girl. Like I I was like six years old again. And I was like sweating. It was so weird. I was like holding her hand, sitting on the bed, just going, it was the funniest, most awkward thing ever. I think it would have felt like rape, but go on. Tell me the other side of the experience. I'm sure it's mind blowing. No, Did you become one?
1: Yeah. um, There's definitely some of that um, it's overwhelming. It's very, very overwhelming. And it's, imagine. it's once you, uh, it's tough to describe, you know, and I've had a few different experiences doing that. And That's it, cool. it's just, um, if it's different with the lights off and with the lights on totally different, you know, because if the lights are off, you're somewhere the fuck else. Like <laughs> I thought, I, I thought we were like these, two souls going through time and re-experience or re-experiencing each other every few centuries like somehow would, our souls would find each other and come back to that and that's
2: amazing
1: and it's totally different with the lights on because you're you're not gone you're there you're present every everything is there hyper and there yeah 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 definitely and that's that's, that's some other shit that's definitely that's some <laughs> and other you shit
2: that's kind of like a psychedelic experience itself lights on lights off very different I've done both I've done it in the dark in my closet by myself and I've done it you know at raves and with people and everything and man vastly different And you can obviously kind of you know I how did you experience psychedelics primarily was it in like kind of a party scenario or was it did you quickly find that it was more of a therapeutic thing and kind of do it in you know did you follow set and setting and stuff like that
1: uh it was mostly party based for a long time Mm -hmm. um i guess to a certain extent it still is not party based (laughs) you know what i mean like um like i i've never done it with like an intention like all right i'm gonna sit in the woods and i'm gonna find myself you know never really like that but i'll plan with a single person you know that makes a little bit a little bit closer to that and um uh, like watch hamilton you know or or uh something out of fantasia mm-hmm. i love to watch stuff and experience it um on acid because it, it definitely gives me a whole new appreciation for that thing the art the art itself mm-hmm. um yeah i can see that like that's fantasia cool. my god like you can't fuck with fantasia on acid like that's <laughs> I, I, it's it's a masterpiece, first of all, and I mean Disney is Disney, so you know, what Disney. Sure, whatever, but whatever they're trying to tell us, <laughs> whatever that is. But uh, oh man, or or like wa- watching the wall. Oh, oh right? man that was that's something else or I should try
2: like colors the the between the buried to me uh oh, dvd have, oh
1: 100%. <laughs> nice yeah How i could times? see
2: getting real lost in in like a music video or something like that because yeah. i got i used to get lost in music constantly on on acid 311 mainly back in the day that was oh. my jam band which was weird because i was like so metal but then three eleven was like my guilty pleasure on the side that was like super happy and positive, you know, yeah. but it's funny that I'm finding myself way further into metal and away from like that lighter, lighter stuff. But the mentality of that lighter stuff is where I'm at mentally now, which is great. You know, it's like I had to get through all the younger angst and everything. And maybe that's part of my love for metal, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I barely listen to metal anymore. Like, unless it's my band, um, mm. there have been some good albums been coming out lately. So, you know, I'll, I'll dip, I'll dip my toe in there every once in a while. Uh, but I, it's, you know, these days it's just like folk and country and indie and jazz. I mean, it's always, a lot of those have, have always been there. The the country folk is more of a, a newer kind of uh, a, a, definitely a new style for me listening mm-hmm. to it. But uh, a lot of that had to do with like taking real voice lessons, you know, and I started learning about, you know, this, this whole other side of music because mm-hmm. I mean, I could always scream. I could always pull it off, but I felt like my, my, uh, my singing was missing something and I wanted to be able to sing without being like, yeah, can you just drop that auto tune on there? You know, I didn't really <laughs> do that all that good. I didn't want to have to do that anymore. Right. Uh, but you know, that, that really like, gave me more of a sense uh that music isn't it doesn't have to be so one-dimensional not that metal is entirely one-dimensional there's a lot that goes into metal and it draws from a lot of different styles but if, for the most part it's, it's in your face aggressive because oh of absolutely what fucking metal is mm-hmm. and the older i get the less i listen to metal
0: mm-hmm. but i
1: still love it you know what i mean M- one of my favorite shows of all time was the first sounds of the underground at the songist arena here in lowell um and dude it had everybody yeah who was
2: headlining that one
1: oh my god i think it was like five headliners basically it was <laughs> it was like unearth who i've met most of the guys in unearth yeah me awesome. too cool. those guys That's were so, so cool.
2: friendly so cool
1: yeah i have a great story about ken susie i'll try to tell after this <laughs> nice <laughs> um and you know that was lamb of god unearth uh I want to kill see. switch probably no there was no kill switch no no kill switch no oh man. but it was norma Jean. every time i die fuck yeah F- fucking fear before the march of flames oh um, wow i
2: haven't heard that name in a while that's oh, awesome
1: oh my god that song um uh you should have oh what the fuck is that the shark, that, the shark that got her was an efficient killer yeah,
2: I <laughs> yeah dude
1: uh, i'm the life of, i'm the life of the party until i sober up oh yeah yeah, I fucking love that song Dude, um,
2: That And that reminds me every time I died too Oh, oh it, does. I it love, does I've seen them like 18 times or something like that fucking One of the best shows ever They turned me into a 14 year old again every time I see them <laughs> Um, I'm like maybe now if I saw them again and tried to jump off the stage I'd probably realize real fast I'm actually 36 You know, Yo. and not 16 anymore
1: Oh man Yo. Oh my God So I saw uh, it was my buddies in uh, They were in a band called Manifest Oh, they were actually pretty fucking dope. Um, cool name. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was good. It, they're, they're a great band. Um, but they played a show with Unearth and Suicide Silence. And this was before the lead singer of Suicide Silence died. Yeah, before, rest in peace, Mitch. Yeah, that's right, Mitch. What the best, hands down, best singer I've ever seen fucking live. The best performance, the best sound. He had the best look. He had this ramp. That that he like just he was he was larger than life. He was a and presence just, up there. Oh my god, you know what I'm saying? He had that fucking just the way that his look. He looked like his wingspan was like. 10 he was like long. Gollum. He was like yeah. just this
2: evil Gollum up there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and has this thick neck that was all tattooed and just yeah, dude. The best and just sounding
2: grunting and growling. And then offstage, like the sweetest dude
1: you'll ever talk to. And- I never actually met him. And you know why? It was because so when Unearth was on before they, they were basically saying like it was, a, it was a show up in Maine in a, at a medium sized club. They were like, my stage is your stage. Come up. And I was like, you know, just, just crowd surfing the whole night. Just fucking what, a, you know, just going up, hugging them and all that stuff great fucking time and they were pretty big at the time too it wasn't like they were you know they were fucking they were already on on earth you know i was
2: like post endless <laughs> oh yeah oh way post endless yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um and so it was just really down to earth of them to do it and actually what's the drummer's name from kill switch oh i don't
2: know the drummer's name
1: well he was the, he was he That's did gonna the sound. He did the sound that night and he was just walking around just chilling, talking to everybody. But yeah, so suicide silence comes on and the and the security guards are up on stage and they go, Absolutely no stage diving for this for this performance, you know, that's uh, not allowed. Which is fine, you know, it's I got I got I got no problem with it. But <laughs> During the last song, which I want to say was that they had just released the last album they did with him. And what was the fucking song?
2: The Um, big hit was technically it's so cheesy because you can call it YOLO the you only live once.
1: No, no, it it wasn't that one. No, no, it was um, Wake Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That
2: was on their mm-hmm. second album. Okay, so that was
1: they had just released that album. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. and um. So you know, like, oh my god. And I was. actually the first time I I heard that song was when I was tripping on acid, and I just watched that video like five hundred times. Um. But yeah. So they said, and and the last song the singer is like, that's it. You guys can come up and stage dive, and I was like, fuck yeah. I get up there, and I he had a ramp. Like I said, you know, instead of like, you know, most people put their foot up on the monitor or they have a Mm -hmm. little stage box. This guy had a ramp. So I was like, I'm jumping off that ramp. And I launched myself off the ramp. And I went to just like, I just totally like Jesus take the wheel. (laughs) You know what I mean? YOLO. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You only live once except the crowd parted and they did not catch me. And I landed right on the concrete.
2: Like a movie?
1: Right? Like, like a, a oh, fucking movie.
2: You're in like a bad 90s music video?
1: <laughs> yes, Damn yes. It. And dude, it was fucking, it hurt. Um, oh God. And I get up and I walk over to my buddy. He didn't even see it. And he was like, yo, Jay, are you all right? And I was like, I don't know, man. And I just started coughing blood. Like just oh, coughing out blood. And it wasn't anything terrible. I didn't like puncture a lung or nothing. I just, it was just like a serious lung contusion. But I was Jeez. just coughing up blood the whole night. <laughs> and you know um there's a hospital up there in maine with that bill because I wasn't paying that shit um <laughs> and yo man like that was that was fucking that was some shit and yeah man yeah and I'll tell you the Ken Susie story after but do you have any cool fucking stories? oh dude
2: well it's funny that you mentioned like just coughing up blood like that I once was at a friend's show and this was back we were playing like a lot of vFWs and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, th- that was where hardcore was. And, you know, so my friend's band was on stage. My friend and I were up there right in the front form and everything. I was going on next with with my band at the time. And first song of my friend's band, my buddy that's standing next to me, I guess just didn't even realize I was right behind him and just windmills immediately and catches me in the nose breaks my nose viciously I was almost proud of him I'm like yeah "Yeah, this dude he knows what he's doing at these shows you know but man I'm so I'm backstage just bleeding everywhere people are bringing me towels and everything and it just doesn't stop and my whole band was like well we're like going on though so I'm like all right fuck it. And I went on and I just bled everywhere. And it, (laughs) it was the most metal show I ever performed. It -hmm. felt great, but you know, my nose is still broken. (laughs) 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 I had the surgery to straighten it. Oh, but it's God. still fucked up
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you don't come back from that you don't come back no nah, man, man. <laughs> no dude and i mean I, we've all had our run-ins with a fucking windmill kick but i it never broke my nose me and my friends we i used to do this cool thing me and my buddies we would do this thing we'd called the um the wheelbarrow so like yeah. I, you'd put you'd i'd put my hands on the ground and then kick my feet up and my buddy would grab my legs and he would break and like i'd be all like this in the you know what i mean like he'd lift mm-hmm. you up in the air and swinging around and shit like that and then you you you, you go like that in air so people because everybody would want to fuck you up because that's some like gay shit to do and they would really like try to fuck you up but try you know what i mean try when this is coming at you with like right. body is getting swung like i want to see you try um oh, <laughs> that's man, awesome was, yeah man and yeah,
2: going to Slayer, man, it was one oh, of the most yeah. vicious pits I've ever seen. And like this was a time in at the Palladium in Worcester, where Worcester, Mass, where uh, there was this dude at every show. And he was like seven five and he had hair down to his ass and he was a brick shithouse. And he was in the pit all the time, just pushing just standing and pushing like just one of those giant dudes that couldn't really mosh or anything, but he would just do that. And him and this tiny little dude just going at it all night. And, and Oh my God. Slayer was just another, but we, yeah, we came out bloodied and bruised out of that too. And it was always like a badge of honor back then. I can't even imagine doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, my body yeah. is too frail now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, man. I, like it And the last show that we just played, I mean, I, I get kind of like, you know, I get into it and I was watching a video from, you know, uh, we played a show maybe the month before down in Revere and I'm watching it and I'm just like, man, I'm getting out of breath. I did have too much to drink you know, this part isn't as strong and we, we, it was only like a 25 minute set. So, and we, we made a couple of mistakes and I was just like, I said, the guys down, I'm like, listen at the next practice, this next show, we're going to play since we were were headlining this particular show. And we, uh, I was like, look, it's a 40 minute set. Let's just drop all stagemanship and just be fucking statues up there and make it sound as good as possible. And oh, dude, it came out so fucking good. (laughs) And, that's really like the philosophy. I take it shows anyway. I don't even remember the last time I moshed at a show. Not even, and I can't even believe how many like walls of death I've been a part of. That was just Me like, <laughs> dude, you're just, and it, I remember the one at the Songest because because it wasn't a full, it was the first sounds of the underground tour. It was not full, not even close. So the wall, the wall of death was just the entire floor And everybody had space and it was like a saving private Ryan moment. Like I got knocked down and I'm like getting back up and everything's in slow motion and everything's just going. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like dazed and I see my buddy get kicked in the head. He's boom, he's out. And we had to oh, fucking, Jesus. we had to drag him back up to, oh, dude, it was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. Dude, like um, being
2: part of like a wall of death where like your friends weren't prepared for it or you brought the wrong people. And they're like, wait, they're like, sorry, it's too <laughs> late for you.
1: Yeah. It's
2: happening and you're a part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. For
2: people that don't know, the wall of death was when basically two large sections of the audience would just wait for the drop. And as soon as the, the beat hit, they would just charge each other.
1: Yeah, it was, it was all out of love. It was all out of love, you know, just a lot of uh, it was tough love.
2: Really. Mosh pit was church,
1: and yeah, actually, I was talking to Ricky Verandas from the Ripple Effect podcast. Hell yeah, and, Ricky! And he he was saying he was saying that um, metal shows are very it's a it's a spiritual experience, and I, I did agree with that. And it's yeah. just, especially that wall at death, right? Is it that's black label, right? And it's just
2: all the conspiracy theory listeners are just like, what the hell are we listening to? <laughs> oh.
1: I know, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. I mean, that whole is the-
2: album is about like government oppression. So go listen to lamb of God and just disregard the whole beginning part of this. Yeah, when we talk about the vaccinated like- guy.
1: <laughs> This is so fucked up. Like, and I was so, like I was saying, I was so disappointed in a lot of my friends, like that they can't, I'm even like still disappointed with people that they can't see what's going on. It's Mm -hmm. like, what do you need? You know, it's like, do you need a, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, do you need the microchip in in (laughs) order for me to finally say, like, I told you so, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember I was at work. I work in a hospital. It's a veterans hospital. I've been there for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was the middle of 2020, and and the you know the chief of my department, the the uh, you know the number one, she's she's looking at me. We're both like trying to, f- we're still figuring out how the fuck these masks things work. And I go in her office, and she's like, oh, hey, you want me to put my mask? I'm like, no, it's fine, don't worry about it. She was like, how long do you think we have with these masks? And I was like, this is a forever thing, like you know that, right? And she was like, no, no, it's just you know until we get through this. I was like, no, trust me, it's a forever thing and uh later on you know they had mandated the flu shot and this was the end of last year and Mm -hmm. she was like look you just you got to get the flu shot i was like i'm not fucking getting the flu shot like you're crazy and she was like no it's just this year i was like look stop and i was like I, i was having a bad day but i was like you and everyone else has to stop being so fucking naive because the covid vaccine when it is approved it's going to be mandated and I was like, you, you just remember that I said that. She's like, no, no, that's never going to happen. Oh, it's just this one. I was like, what do you need? It's just two weeks. Like, it's just a flu shot. <laughs> it's just a lockdown. It's just a mask. It's just like, where does that fucking end? Where, where does that fucking go? You yeah. know, and I, I was just like, and I, I had seen her recently because I would moved out of the department and she was like, oh, I didn't, uh, I I didn't think that you'd be correct about it. I just saw her like last week. That's and true. And she was like, you know, I'm sorry, you know. Um, and I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean anything anyway. The conversation didn't go anywhere. It was just, you are you know, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You didn't have to tell me that. That's, um, that's
2: brave of her to even, it's surprising to even have someone do that, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm surprised she remembered, you know? <laughs> Usually and, the things
2: we say, even if it's like loud in someone's face, you know, it, it's forgotten pretty easily.
1: Yeah. And those, yeah.
2: and you know, with what we talk about
1: sometimes. And I also apologize for going down this line because I know recently you had said on your show that you didn't really want to talk about this stuff anymore. (laughs) That's
2: okay. I mean, you know, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, as much as I'd rather just talk around it, it's inevitable. You know, it's part of our lives right now. I get that. Uh, I think just to refine it a little bit, I'd like us to stop headline chasing. And I guess what I mean by that is that, For the past year, year and a half, whatever, a lot of us, more and more of us, have known what's coming. Once you start to see the pattern, that's you can see where it's going. And I feel like there's a hard line between trying to scare people awake around us and just being in an echo chamber and sharing the same new forms of misery that we already predicted it's like we're just i actually recently called it self-masturbation i was like you know we can all say we were talking about this six months ago as many times as we want and it's shouting at a brick wall the same as any of the things that we were talking about originally to people where it was hitting that same brick wall you know Mm -hmm. it's I just, I don't know how, I don't know how we work around it. I don't know how not to talk about it, but I really don't want to. It's it's weird. You know, I, I'd rather talk about it, I guess, in terms of archetypes and what this is, because this isn't a vaccine. This isn't a pandemic. This isn't a new normal. This is part of a pattern. It's a fractal, right? It's a fractal of what's happened seemingly many times before, and the more we dig into our history, oddly enough, it's becoming more easily accessible. Um, We're finding more and more of that theme of this repeating cycle of weirdness and corruption and some sort of deception that none of us really understand. So,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, it takes a really good grasp on history to be able to pattern, recognize history and to see that there's always a precedent. You know, it's it's rare that something truly unique and new happens. And especially for, if you were to say like the controllers or whatever that group of people is, the deep, parasites. Stuff, the super cloud parasites, parasites, yeah.
2: That's a good one.
1: They are very uncreative and the same shit they play the same games it's the same script it's barely refined granted they have a very good grasp on psychology but it's only it's only a psychology that's that is
0: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich
1: I mean, not a small group of people, on, on the, the the majority of people. It's like 65%, just boom, just buy it. Like, you know, like the Milgram experiments 65% yes. of the people will kill someone if they believe an authority figure tells them to. Right. And it's, 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 this has already happened. Like, how can someone look at a vaccine passport and not see a yellow star? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's not, or, or, or to see a heretic, or to see a witch, or to see, it's this, or to see a, a communist, you know, in our midst. You know, it's the same. Thing that's been going on forever uh, Maybe yeah. it's because I've read Machiavelli You know The Prince Maybe it's because I've You know what I mean mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I took history class seriously enough to dig into it on my own because you know basically what you get in school is a bunch of crap but i did have a a few good teachers uh i remember specifically one teacher i one teacher i had i i was uh like you know i was just reading this in the new york times he was like yeah you don't really have to read the new york times like what are you talking about it's the fucking new york times and he was like it's mostly just bullshit you know and i think that was the first time i heard a teacher swear and (laughs) i was like dude what are you talking about like what What do you like? What do you watch? Like Fox News, and so this was uh, this was the Bush years, you know, and when we were all liberal, right? Yeah, right, (laughs) exactly. Um, And it it was. I was like, oh, what do you do? You watch Fox News? He's like, no, it's bullshit too. I was like, then what? And I was watching CNN at the time. He's like, CNN, it's all bullshit. I was like, well, then what can you read? He was just like, you just have to recognize the patterns. You know, he's like the closest thing you can get to truth right now is the Christian Science Monitor. I was like, oh, okay, well,
2: Christian Science. Like, I've not heard that term before.
1: Oh, it's just Christians. it was a it was a news publication. Oh, even, oh, okay, okay. I never followed him up on it because I was just kind of like I didn't give a shit anyway. But um, it's 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 the patterns. You're you're totally totally right on that. It's it's these these patterns that just keep repeating themselves. And what was it? Twain said, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. that. Bad yeah, shit, like shit repeats. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's interesting
2: that he said rhyme and a lot of us have been digging into all the, like the sound frequency stuff that, that has been coming out, you know, and mm-hmm. that resonates with the past as well. And, and some of the ancient methods that might've been u- being used and utilized by, you know, u- uh, utilizing sound frequency to move heavy objects or things like that. And it's funny that he says it rhymes because I'm finding more and more of that that line of thinking is, is really central to everything. The frequencies and all that, the energy, and maybe it's tied to electric universe theory and all sorts of other yeah. things, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 like uh, like Michael Talbot, right? The electric yeah, uh, electric universe, yeah.
2: Did he write, he also wrote, was it, I know he wrote Holographic Universe. The holographic
1: Universe, that's right. Really, yeah, oh no, but, he, it the, electric but universe?
2: the thing is, is Holographic Universe and uh, Electric Universe, I once said on a podcast that you can put them on a sandwich together and it's delicious, you know, and <laughs> yeah. they go to, they go well together. The holographic model with the um no one talks about the holographic model, though. No one really talks about his work in that area. I don't know. Uh, it reminds me more of my psychedelic experiences than any other topics. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if anything dissolves the self, it was, you know, a metaphysical, Encounter like that, you know what I mean.
1: So, what do you think of this conspiracy theory that the the uh, the the tuning um, that the the tuning standards were deliberately changed from? Okay, so it's it's A above middle C is tuned to four forty instead of four thirty two, and that somehow the Nazis and the Rockefellers were involved. Actually, no, it wasn't the Nazis. It's somehow the Rockefellers were involved in it because that was in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. And there was a couple of different possibilities. I think the French wanted 438. Um, these guys wanted 432. 440 was the... I mean, uh, 432 was the original. These guys wanted 440. Is that... A, yeah, 432 is the... Was 432 the is
2: like the, the good one that we have yes. moved away from, supposedly.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, like, I, I, I've I experimented with a little bit, you know, and it's, it's nice because it's a little flatter, you know, and so it's a little easier to do some songs, a little diff- more difficult to do other songs. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get any type of feeling from it, mostly because, like, I'm am I'm, I'm an intellectual person before a spiritual person, anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, what what are your th- thoughts on that? Do you have you dug into that at all?
2: I haven't dug enough into it to really say one way or the other what I think. Like, I don't even know what do they say is the uh, public reason for even bothering having that conversation at that time.
1: Okay, uh, I don't, so I'm it was- not even familiar is totally an academic and a bureaucratic decision to have a standard so that every oh, piano okay. is made you know with the same tuning and that you know you That's can fair. go to an orchestra you know someone can can play in Europe and then go over although tuning your shit from 440 to 432 wouldn't be that difficult anyway. Right. Um, But to have a standard, you know, it's a very academic bureaucratic thing. Like, you know, these guys, these bean counter musicians, you know, these guys that go to Berkeley and then never release an album in their life kind of guys, the guys that- You know, as audio
2: engineers in a giant record label if at best sometimes yeah yeah um okay so that okay that gives me a little bit more of a frame of reference so that makes sense because to me it's always like they'll give a public facing reason that can be looked into and it's legit fine a standard makes sense that's that's totally fair but underneath it there's usually something weird going on and that does seem to fit pretty pretty well and it it's something that clearly was able to be hidden really well for a long time because not a lot of us have a lot of access to technology up until recently really in our own homes that we're constantly able to like tune into that shit unless you're a musician, you know, and and you're spending a lot of money. And now it's like, everything's DIY, everything's cheaper. We can have more access to knowing these things. And so it's, it's weird how things are starting to kind of come to fruition as we advance enough to kind of get there in that way where like, maybe we're now prepared to kind of uh, investigate those kinds of, of stories because of what we understand on an individual level about these, these sciences, you know, and like i said a lot of interesting people are talking about how sound and frequency can be used in so many different ways and a lot of it's very spiritual but a lot of it's very grounded in scientific evidence and things like that you know so it's pretty interesting yeah.
1: and i guess 432 hertz is supposed to uh resonate with the with the natural frequency of the earth because that's right that's the, the natural resonance of the earth but even that explanation is, is a little strange too, because it's like, st- that's still A above middle C. You know what I mean? That's still like, you know, so I've I've been a little torn on it. Um, well, here's in- something interesting. And this, this kind of
2: goes into the same conversation I had with uh, Dan, Dan and Dan and Homie Romy from the Rising from the Ashes podcast. They We were talking about uh, fluoride. And I was talking about how, you know, if you look into the, you know, I love to look into all the ancient traditions and the spiritual dish, you know, Gnosticism and hermetics and all, all those things, they kind of all say that, you know, this fluoride shit would be absolutely nothing to someone that's practiced and centered as, as you were talking about earlier, like that spiritual centering of yourself and, and that higher consciousness that people search for. This is one of those attributes where like fluoride, something like fluoride isn't going to stop you. And it's almost like, I wonder if it could go the same way with the hurts. Like it, it does. Sometimes you look at our conspiracy theories that we look at all the time and share with each other. And it's a lot of fear in there. There's a lot of pushing of fear and it makes you feel still, helpless like oh they have to decide what hurts are going are 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 being received by your brain and therefore they decide the fate of that situation for you you know what i mean whereas maybe maybe you could totally overcome whatever whatever this could possibly do to you on a psychic level or energetic level or something you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah for sure
2: there's always that middleman they're constantly putting a middleman in everything
1: Well, you need middlemen. Well, that's the thing is, there are are so many, I mean, what's been great about music over the past five years, and I cannot stand when somebody says music is dead. I'm like, where the fuck have you been? So much good new music. Oh, music is in the middle of the greatest renaissance ever because every genre is popping right now, except for rock. Rock is dead.
2: Yeah. But Um, digital be damned. It's because of digital. Everything's so crisp and polished and i love that as much as i love a dirty punk album i also love the crispest eight eight string guitar sound you know what i mean (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. oh it was a game changer when our so our bassist has always played a six string and our guitars played a six string Uh, and and it was uh he uh we kept like having our good we're like keith get a fucking eight string already like just get it change the game totally change the game uh but there's it there's in a great example I think of this. There's a there's a band called Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, and they're like this Motown groove like late 60s, early 70s sounding type of a band, but it's they're modern, yeah. and it's just like having that recording quality with that type of soul sound is just like so refreshing. And this is happening with all the genres. You know, like I love like a good Miles Davis album, but you know you can't beat some of these new guys coming out because they've stu- they've studied miles davis they can play miles davis and right. their re- their recording quality is unbelievable and there's so many types of different jazz fusions going on mm-hmm. like i love snarky puppy Like, oh my God, Snarky Park, this puppy is that shit, man. Like there's- Sweet.
2: I'm going to have to get it. Yeah. We're going to have to exchange a bunch of bands after this, man. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I got some shit for you. I got some shit. Oh
2: yeah, man. Yeah.
1: Uh, And it's, like I said, music is going through a renaissance, hip hop, all of it. And Mm -hmm. you just can't beat this era. So when somebody says that music is dead, it's like, you are the most boring person I've ever met. Yeah.
2: You're listening to pop music and relying on it again to either be good or bad get rid of it throw it out it's recycled from the shit we listen to constantly i mean how many times has a five finger fart punch put out a song (laughs) that is like a direct ripoff from a metal riff that you heard 10 years earlier you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah sorry to any fans of the butt rock genre but i can't get down
1: (laughs) man i'm down with the sickness
2: (laughs) a little bit okay (laughs)
1: No, Fair I'm enough. not I am not down with the sickness. <laughs> I was just kidding. Just there I I saw those heard. guys live
2: a long time ago at Local Bazooka. Oh, they shows. they hey, you know, they're good musicians and that's they, why they kind of and even though they were for instance just not ever heavy to begin with, a lot of our a lot of the bands we grew up listening to that kind of get a little softer and everything over time and they get more polished and and a lot of us metalheads at an er, younger age at least me i was always so angry at those bands and i used to always just be listening to the first two albums of like every band i loved but after a while getting a little older and being in projects when i got a little older too it's so much more dynamic range just as you were saying before i mean i listen to metal all the time but it's stuff like tesseract Mm -hmm. you know with absolutely gorgeous vocals behind it and everything oh yeah synth and i'm seeing i mean i'm jumping all over the place here but hey whatever uh i love feeling that psychedelic surge but not in 60s music in modern crisp metal influence like it's unbelievable to hear bands like breaking orbit tesseract uh Man, there's so many, but like the, the very atmospheric beauty. I don't know. Right. It's, it's amazing. You know, between the Barry music, great oh. example too.
1: Uh, yeah. I've seen them once. They're of a time. Picasso. Oh of- my God. I saw yeah. them right after they released Alaska at the Palladium. <laughs> um, oh, That's my, my God. favorite
2: album. <laughs> and you know what?
1: I saw this meme uh, not too long ago. It said, you remember that time David Draymond was in the studio recording down with the sickness and his mom came in and beat his ass. <laughs> hey, you remember that whole fucking middle part? No. I yeah. oh, mean,
2: <laughs> I remember hearing that it's like a 14-year-old going, like, whoa, Dude. this is so edgy. And then we yeah, like yeah, yeah. to it again
1: later on. Like, is this so is the bad.
2: angstiest I'm grounded on the weekend shit I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> it's like, yo, Jonathan Davis already did that. Pack it up and go home. Hell yeah, uh, man. And oh man, <laughs> corn. I loved corn. But let me let me ask you something. Have you ever heard uh the human abstract? fuck album, yes digital veil tell me that isn't yes. the best metal album ever fucking released. and that's that sound
2: that's that sound that's i was talking sound. about yes. man that like it's heavy as hell and then yeah. he's got a great singing voice and yeah. they have a lot of like prog and and synth in there and it, they just have they have a very good package and they didn't go i i have they even put out an album since then
1: nope they were like nope.
2: hi see ya
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, everybody's been begging out. them for a decade to put out another album. That's like, like uh, oh
2: what the hell were they called? You ever heard of Psyopus?
1: Oh, Psyopus. Psyopus? I, I, played a, I played a show with Psyopus. Fuck yeah. Ooh, that's oh, awesome, yeah. man. Yep, Those yep,
2: guys. Yep. Yeah, I could see you guys playing a show with them.
1: Oh yeah, like, they were a big influence on us for sure.
2: Crazy techie math crazy core yeah you really want to get upset
1: you you really want to get upset go follow the uh the guitarist from from psyopus you know go see the shit he's been posting you'll get upset Mm. but yeah man that fucking digital fit like when that song opens i mean it it starts off incredible uh you know with that it's got that like really nice sound to it and it just gets Mm. epic as fuck but the beginning (laughs) of of the song digital veil it starts off that it's so fucking crazy and it's like you Yo, what I love about the guitarist, right, the lead guitarist, and I believe, okay, so I'll I'll go back to that. The guitarist, like, he's fucking shredding the whole time but it's melodic shredding i've never heard anybody do it before because he's shredding while the singer is singing the clean vocals but it just works so well and the rhythm guitarist is doing something incredibly difficult that i couldn't even ever play you know what i mean and it's just like that's the baseline is like the rhythm guitar is playing something that some of the most mastered fucking guitarists wouldn't even be able to play but, so the human abstract puts out their first album nocturne and it was fucking great but if you go back and listen to it now the production quality on it is a little and the singer's yeah. a little annoying but um that's whatever um and then they put out midhaven after their lead guitarist left and i can only imagine that these guys in digital veil i mean uh, in in the human abstract are the most difficult people to work with this has to be the case
2: probably prodigies um,
1: oh yeah all of them all of them and so the singer i mean the the lead guitarist leaves and it was very obvious who wrote all the songs because that album was a steaming pile of shit it's
2: like when dl left acacia strain oh exactly
1: fucking well oh my god if you want to talk about a band (laughs) live acacia strain oh my god yeah oh my god you know it was so dope lives is is the ring of the rings of saturn that was fucking
2: brutal my son loves rings of Saturn. My no three and a shit. half year old loves so rings cool. of Saturn. It's awesome. Oh and then God. the faceless, he's watching like Alex Ruttinger yes. solos. And shit. It's awesome. I think I started young, right?
1: <laughs> I saw. So my buddies, they there in a band called Pathogenic. I saw them play. I know
2: Pathogenic. No shit. So the, I think the dr- I know one of them, but I the don't dr- remember why I know one of them.
1: <laughs> so the drummer, the drummer for Pathogenic, he is the guy that records all of our music. He played drums on 2084. Did
2: he used to own his own studio
1: Zen beast audio?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I'm think I'm putting the pieces together from a very fragmented past <laughs> <laughs> hit too many times in the head d- oh, during, yeah, during those pits.
1: <laughs> too many whippets, man. You know, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I saw a pathogenic play with, it was the faceless rings of Saturn and um, who the fuck uh headlined it was oh i'm blanking on their name right now i'm gonna remember when we get off but they're fucking incredible too that was such a great show but like anyway um so for a digital veil they brought back the original guitarist and mm. then they got a new singer and who just wasn't annoying who knew his fucking role like you're not the center of attention, but you're going to, you know, you'll do, and they did it. They never really like, I mean, they always did like a verse chorus bridge kind of a structure with a lot of modifications, Yeah, which that's is what something... was going on back then. Yeah. But they, I mean, they did it very tastefully. Um Absolutely. They didn't, you know, but that's what I always loved about metal is that it was unstructured in, in many ways. And that's like the way that we play. It's pretty much it's it's riff to riff to riff to riff and we do callbacks, but we don't do like a proper verse chorus, anything like that.
0: Absolutely. But, but uh
1: this like that singer but what happened with these guys is that their singer wanted wanted to um he wanted to spend more time with his girlfriend because they were on tour and you know he never saw her i guess and he wanted to work on his uh he had like a techno project that he just wanted to work on and i'm just like you literally had magic in a bottle like you (sighs) literally had one of the greatest things to ever touch the face of the earth and everybody's been begging you for a decade to get back together and you just won't, man. It. Like, there's a bunch there's... of
2: bands like that, too. Yeah. Um, shit, I'm blanking now. But I was just thinking of one when you were saying that. Uh, oh, North Lane from Australia. I mean, well, they're together. I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm being a bad fan. They have a new singer. They're very successful. But the singer, the original guy left. I think he went to college and he was doing his own thing. And his voice was destroyed for like multiple times and just couldn't hack it mm-hmm. and people were begging him back and it's like well you know he can't yeah. really he's at least pursuing his own dreams kind of like the guy uh, from Vale maya did the same thing he left right. too and now they have a new singer and they're they've both those bands have kind of gone more towards that like i hate to say whiny kind of infusion sure. with metal and i'm not trying to be derogatory about it but yeah, it's like this weird fusion of not pop punk, but this very whinyness mm. with metal sometimes. It's got, it just its, doesn't fit. It,
1: it's got its place, but, you know, mm. Under Oath did it. That's it. That's no true. Yeah, it. it
2: was Under Oath's thing, kind of, you know? Let and, them have it.
1: <laughs> um, and one singer that destroyed his voice, but still fucking made it work was the guy from Daughters. He just yeah. did
2: it different it just like got weird have and cool you,
1: have you heard their newest album i think it was released in 2018 like a, 2019 yeah i that
2: did I, was... I saw it, i heard it on a whim too i just remembered them by seeing it i'm like oh god they put out something else oh god
1: <laughs> like, and it the most was bizarre band so bizarre and i i saw i heard uh, a buddy of mine had seen them live after they dropped that out and it was like dude i don't even know what happened like it was just the weirdest <laughs> shit Like the dude was just like, he was deep throat in the microphone and there was blood and it was just like a show. And yeah, man, man, you know, uh,
2: Fur beach, that song, that first song on their first album, my friend and I destroyed his mixer one day because we were drunk and put that song on in his sound booth, wicked loud. And we just Mm. went nuts and accidentally broke his mixer.
1: Oh, oh my man. god you know what's great too is finding some shit from your old old like the you know your your early days mm-hmm. my, we we first when we were like 14 15 we got a uh, we we're in a band called schmog which is like <laughs> it was an acronym for all of our names but it's uh, a a couple of the original members of the band that i'm in we were in this band also mm-hmm. and uh my buddy had a it was an eight track re- digital recorder and he found it recently and i was just like oh no and then he put it put it like a bunch of stuff online and he was like he just took he took my vocal track and he put it all the way up turned everything down and he put a post up and he's like that's jay and i was just like oh my god (laughs) it was so terrible (laughs) i wasn't even the singer i was the backup singer it was so horrible but like yeah I remember one day we thought we were. Uh, if you did something, you erased like the whole track, like all, mm. all the tracks. And he, he thought he pressed it, and so we broke all the buttons trying to stop that from happening. Oh, and that God. was that was the last <laughs> session with that. But, I mean,
2: oh man, you know. my guitarist, drummer, and bassist wrote a song one day, and they were so overjoyed with themselves and i wasn't there at this practice i was at like a a family gathering at my house or something they invaded it they just came there they had to show me the tape that they had just recorded turns out my bassist had left it on the top of the car when they were on their way over so just something right out of a movie they never found the tape
0: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) and they They did recover some of the song, but it was never what they originally had recorded. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) So devastating. I know, I know. And it's in the early days when, like, you can't, for whatever reason, you can't remember some of the shit that you write. Like, anything Mm -hmm. that I write these days, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just second nature, so I'm not going to forget it. Right, yeah,
2: exactly. We were, like, 15, 16 at the time. Yeah. Playing the little local clubs around here. But dude, you know, it's, it's funny this whole time. We've been mainly talking about music (laughs) and just our love. And we've been like pouring out our love for music and enjoying this conversation. And it's, maybe this is the key. Maybe what needs to eventually happen. We just wake up as many people as possible and then stop talking about all that other shit.
1: (laughs) It would be nice. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm a little bit more not more right now, <laughs> but um, I am very much like I'm a I'm a real I'm, I'm I'm very much more optimistic about than I used to be, but only on an individual level. On the collective level, I am incredibly pessimistic about the future of this world. I am very I do not have any hope in humanity. They're not going to wake up. There's not going to be some big moment before anybody figures it out they're all going to be in concentration camps and or have the microchip and it just that's just how it is you know what i mean but that's not why we were put here like i really i read a lot of philip k dick and one of his books nice do you read any philip k dick i love
2: i haven't read him in years but yeah. i love him i love a the, lot of his stories you know what
1: was the last uh, what was the last book you read valis valis oh my god okay so valis is a three parter and and I,
2: I and also i read that a good five, 10, probably 10 years after I had kind of read a lot of his science fiction and let it go and moved on and then read Valis because I had heard about it from like conspiracy theorists. Yes. Whoa.
1: So that was like, (laughs) he did three books that were, that were doing that, um, that, that was like autobiographical like that. And the third one was Radio Free Abelmuth. And yes. it was just so good. Oh my God, it was so good. But his idea for that- Made a really that, bad
2: movie out of it too. <laughs> did they? Yeah, it's 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 still the story, but it's not very good.
1: Yeah. It's poorly well, made. I mean, it wasn't until after, I, I mean, Total Recall, Blade Runner was great. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, of course, like Minority Report was great. Even Paycheck was good with- um Paycheck. Paycheck was good with, with yeah. Ben Affleck. Uh, the, the Adjustment Bureau with Ben, uh, with, uh, uh matt ed damon. harris matt harris yeah, and, ed, and ed harris ed yeah. harris and matt damon Scanner darkly so far oh yeah scanner darkly uh, that's got
2: layers and layers but actually you
1: know you know y'all absolutely and i actually just read um a scanner darkly not too long ago um maybe a, a couple it's of months such ago.
2: a beautifully written book
1: oh I mean, his writing so is and he, I, I, i've listened yeah. to a bunch of his interviews and he's like one of the most craziest motherfuckers that there is and I love it. Press conferences and shit, you know? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I is, I'm, I'm actually like very relieved. You're li- I ask people about him all the time. You're literally the only person that I've talked to that has read any of you have stuff. a lot of
2: episodes. Really, man. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. I love that dude,
1: dude. I and I, I was obsessed with
2: scanner darkly and, and total recall. The, uh, yeah, man. And I, I total got recall on... was a different name though. Like that was the movie.
1: I think it was called like, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. We Can Remember
2: It For You Wholesale. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just like
2: Blade Runner was, do androids dream of electric electric sheep? sheep. As soon as I, because I had seen Blade Runner first, my dad was like, oh, you'll love this movie. It's pretty cool. It's an action movie. Man, you know, I watched that and I was right at that age where I was like, this is not an action movie. This is something so much more. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's like Terminator for me. (laughs)
1: He actually got the idea for Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep from writing Man in the High Castle. (gasps) And. And so when he was doing the research on all the Nazis, because he said he did like three years of research, read all of the memoirs from all of the top rank- ranking Nazi officials, he got a sense that they were automatons because somehow they were humans, but they were uh, they were living out this this programming, like this this set. they were programmed to see life in this way and to treat people in this way and having such a callous disregard for life. And Ridley Scott, when he made Blade Runner, he um, wanted to he wanted to give the impression, or he wanted to paint the androids as superhumans as the next iteration of humans better than humans and, mm. and and philip k dick was like no dude this that's not that that is not what i was trying to get at they're cold they're callous they're calculating they're not humans they're 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 um al- almost the worst uh the worst aspects of humans are amplified in the androids and so uh, the the people that made the movie wanted him to do a more novelized version, a more um, a, a version of Duangelo's Dream of Electric Sheep that was closer to the movie because there's like some serious uh, uh, there's there's like the not diversions, but whatever I'm looking for, deviations yeah. from, from the story w- with regards to the movie. And they were going to give him basically like uh, a half a million dollars to do that, which was like in those days was a ton of money. And he turned it down because he felt like, because what they wanted to do, they wanted him to take the original out of print. And he was like, I'm not fucking doing that. And he thought that's what Vallis would want him to do.
2: Absolutely. You know, it reminds me of what uh, Roger Waters was doing recently when he gave a big fuck you to Mark Zuckerberg when Facebook was trying to uh, acquire the wall part two um, for some Instagram campaign advertising thing. And he went on a tirade about it. it
1: just I did not happening. hear anything about this. What happened? He, he just gave him a big
2: fuck you. Absolutely not. I am not going to be privy to any of this bullshit. Right, and this dude
1: wrote the wall. Like hell, know, yeah.
2: Well, think about it. Randy Blythe wrote "As the Palaces Burn" too, which yeah. has been my friggin' anthem ever since this shit has started, because it's literally about what's happening right now. You know, mm-hmm. rejoice, the age of the fall has begun. We'll dance as the palaces burn. Of course, I wonder what's. You know, you never know what uh, side of his mouth he could be talking out of. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the machine talking right there <laughs> yeah. because I mean, what they are doing in my view is that they are deteriorating national values, but it's not just that it's, it's, it's because that's where we all live. We all live in nations. So therefore they need to destroy them and not just one nation it seems like all nations eventually that this idea of having a large place that you can call your extended home is being fucked with completely the patriots on one side are getting fucked with a lot of the people on the left that are waking up and going what is happening you know it's not their country anymore either you know and when i see I, we're jumping all over the place this is kind of what i do but uh you know because so when i see uh you know, the division about, you know, this nation versus that nation and which ones we should be afraid of right now. It's always, to me, it's always seems like it's the people behind that curtain. And it's always just, they're using nations as like home bases, little outposts. You know what I mean? And they're just mm-hmm. playing with them. Man, that went that took a dark turn. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's it's almost it's a strange place to occupy for me because I was already awake before all this stuff. Me so too, I yeah. wasn't a fan of America. You know no. what I mean? Like I was a fan <laughs> of the idea of America. I was a fan of the the constitution and the bill of rights. Um, but I wasn't so cool with, you know, genocide of, of, anybody or, you know the indigenous peoples and of manifest destiny i was not a fan of uh of the federal government in in regards to what they did with the banks and taxation and you know the the, the early what they do with conscripting people into war in the you know with the Vietnam nine eleven. like i've never been a fan <laughs> no never. um but i've been a fan of the people you know it's it's a strange thing right because nationalism was created so that you could have power blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't even understand it. It's, it's a, you get a better idea of it when you study the history of Europe because that it's such a, and, and you know, like Eastern Europe out there and, and with Central Asia, especially, like the creation of the nation state is a pretty recent thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it's the way that it's agitated into existence is uh, you have to first of all you have to create like a mythology right so it, it there's there's instances of like um in greece and in like montenegro they're like if you're talking about the balkans as early as you know as not too long ago as like the late 1800s early 1900s a lot of those countries were still coming into existence and they had to pull way back in their history to find uh something to rally around in order to create this nation state mm. and in that process you have to you have to silence a lot of people because if you're trying to say okay well these people are the majority in this area you're going to have a ton of minorities and because of the nature of Europe you have a bunch of different minorities and so when you're creating the nation state you know you have to do a lot of lying and a lot of myth building and all that kinds of stuff is not organic at all yeah. and and it was done in America. It, it was easier to do because they were starting from scratch and everybody had only been here for 100, 200 years tops. So creating a um, like a story was a little easier for them. And that's not, you know, I don't really like, to... it's, ask me on a Tuesday how I feel about the founding fathers. It's different how I feel on a I got Thursday. You. You know with what I gotcha. Mean? I'm your brother. I'm you right know...
2: there with you, man, because you hear things I don't know. it's so bizarre because i always get on those those threads about us always being owned by the crown and none of it being separate and then you look at 1870 and 1871 where you know dc became a sovereign nation and it all became a corporation and all that it's just, or the when was the when were the good guys here you know were um, they the ones that wrote it Maybe I'm starting to come around to that idea again. Because, like, like you, I was very against everything American and nationalist growing up altogether, you know? And that's kind of yeah. what I meant when I said we were all liberals. That's probably a bad way to put it. But during that time period of 9 11 and everything, it was sure we had a Republican administration. So maybe that's why. But we were all kind of at least independent thinkers were rallied against that kind of side of things and those of us that were a little naive i guess at the time to the the two-party system maybe were still one still kind of back and forth you know that rage against the machine thing where it's kind of leaning towards the liberal side of everything you know psychedelics Hmm. that was a big part of it you know so it's it's been weird and kind of seen it
1: and speaking of rage against the machines, Zach Delaroche has been curiously quiet throughout 2020, 2021. I wonder really? what he's been up to. I don't even know what he's been I, I haven't heard one peep from him. That's interesting. I might have to dig that up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, wonder. So it's, so it's like, you know, and and the point that I was trying to get to with, you know, the creation of a nation state is like it's just a it's a temporary p- power block, you mm. know. For the next step which these guys have been working towards global government since time immemorial you know right. the only reason that the roman empire didn't last was because it was infiltrated and it, it got too big for to be able to govern it in the ancient world with the institutions that they had mm-hmm. and so it broke apart into all these little kingdoms and then the kingdoms became you know, bigger kingdoms and empires, and they swallow them, and the, the, the families would go back and forth, and oh, this is my empire, this is my empire, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, like, it's, it's an idea that I've always toyed around with, is like that maybe the nation state was only, only even came to into existence because of how much difficulty these guys were having with regular people. You know, is like this is the best way is to give them representative government and make them think that they they have uh, a voice and, you know, maybe even give them some of a, bo- a voice and take it away later. You know what I mean? That was always the plan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, this the we're watching something historic go down. That's for damn sure. Um, and, you know, it'll definitely be interesting to see where this goes, you know, but I think the what everybody should take away maybe from our conversation is, you know, metal metal rocks and <laughs> and uh also you know it's it's much like yeah you have to care about what's going on in the world but you should be focusing on yourself and your family and your friends right like you should you should be trying to get out of like cuz this is a short life like mm-hmm. I'm every year just slips by and I'm really getting the taste of just how short this life is and you have yeah. to enjoy it you know you have to you, you have to leave your mark in some way if you know you want to leave a legacy or not you know, you can, yeah. you could just live, you know, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. Um, but you really just want to get right with yourself and the universe or God or whatever that is. And just, you know, just do the right thing, whatever that is, Yeah. you know, that lesson is lost on a lot of people. I think uh, music has definitely given me purpose and it's definitely, uh, it's made me look at the universe in a way that I would not have had I not thought about music in the way that I, that, it you know, that it brought me, it, it opens up, it lets you see behind the curtain, yeah. right? Because when you start looking at music, it's number in time and space, yes. which is, it's the, it's the, it's the highest form of art that there is, especially since, because it's not tangible, you can't touch it. It's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So music, you, you can't, you can't see. I mean, you can see it live, but it's supposed to be experienced auto, uh, audibly anyway. Right. And and it it really like it's it's right if you're looking at a painting or something like that or a sculpture, it's right there in front of you and it it doesn't change, mm. right? But music is a journey. It's um, a lot like motion pictures in the sense that it tells a story or or you know like of course like you know uh, fiction uh, you know fiction, yeah, but uh that's the most beautiful thing about music is that it's 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 using it's using math and sound frequencies to change your vibrational state and your mental yeah. state and your spiritual state and all of that and like i think it's the most beautiful thing is the it's like god's greatest gift to humans and it's it's something that you know of course like i connect with very personally Mm-hmm. But if people were to look at their own experience in the same way that they experience music, I think they'd get a better idea as to how they should live their life. Because life is 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 beauty in motion, just like music. You know,
2: That's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. I, yeah, I resonate a lot with that scene from Equilibrium with uh, Christian Bale, if you know that story in that movie, mm-hmm. where he he just gets curious and puts that record on for the first time and hears that music and has an, an, I guess you could say a transcendental experience over that sound. And it completely, you know, sends him on his like Neo like adventures and everything to stop the machine. And to me, music did that for me as well. At a young age, I guess because of the style of music that was resonating with me that loud aggressive music I got to witness um isolation from quote-unquote popular people whatever that meant that was a trap that we all got sucked into by Hollywood and the movies and everything because there were no popular people my friends were popular with me and vice versa you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so but everyone around us were listening to music that to me was just repeating over and over again. And it was uh, the same, everyone was wearing the same style. I don't know, it's weird because people have said the same thing about metal to me, I guess. But there's something different about corporate music than any style of independent music. It doesn't have to be metal. It can be jazz, hip hop, blues, country, whatever. But there's such an obvious difference and it's interesting when connecting with people that can notice it because not everybody notices that difference. I don't think, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about all this happy stuff instead of, you know, too much negativity. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And yeah, shit. We've already been going for an hour and a half. I didn't, there's like, no way. Isn't that That's wild, awesome. man? Time that is flies, dude. You know? Yeah. So you know what? Let's let's pick this up again some some sure. other time, and that we'll definitely do a part two to this. And, Hell yeah, um, man! Because I almost
2: know, wanted to get into Tartaria with you for a second I there know, when you were talking about the eighteen hundreds, so we mm-hmm. could go the distance definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This will not be the last time we talk for sure. But for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, so fucking tell my uh, tell my audience where they can find your stuff, and uh, and what you know everything all the all the the link tree stuff let them know what's up sure,
2: sure yeah i should get on Linktree. by the way it seems like a way easier thing for people to deal with but yeah i got a new website the deepshare.com and uh, you can find me on social media at the deep share podcast or the deep share on uh twitter but yeah that's pretty much it i'm on youtube odyssey i got to get myself up on like maybe rumble or bit shoot or whatever just to spread the love you know but yeah and um uh, where can my audience find you, sir? Uh,
1: yeah, so it's how to kill a sacred cow, and you can find that on Apple, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get you get podcasts. You can find me on uh, Instagram uh, at Jay Hennehan, um, and just search how to kill a sacred cow. I already forget the handle. I just made the page. I really got to get that <laughs> handle down. You know, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, but those are dumpster fires. So, you know, you're not really going to reach me there. Instagram is definitely where I'm the most active. They, there's not too much censorship on, you know, not that much censorship on Instagram right now. So it's still mm-hmm. kind of, it's still definitely worth doing um yeah and uh, if you want to check out my band that's george Orwell the musical um we're on all the streaming platforms and yeah i mean yeah, show, shows are back so we're playing
2: Woo! that's awesome to hear dude Hell i'd yeah. love to come see you play sometime i'll bring my buddy who's been in bands with me throughout the years and you know he he's gonna i already showed him your music so he'd be down to come for awesome. sure oh yeah man it's been great talking to you dude and uh yeah we'll definitely catch up soon
1: Hell yeah. Horns up, bro. Hell yeah, dude.
0: (laughs) Thanks
2: for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice,
0: dogs and cats living together, that's carrier. Enough, I got the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? Uh... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.